0: Welcome to Simon White, and the podcast at the crossroads of media, business, and politics. I'm Christian White, joined as always by Mark Simon. Mark, please say hello. Hey, everybody. Mark, you know, one of the, the key assets of Taiwan, I think you and I have agreed over the years, is that unlike almost every other conflict or would-be conflict that the United States is involved in recent years. They actually pay for their own arms. They in the past have wanted to buy more arms from us. Uh, they have to go through the step of asking permission to ask permission. So before they make a formal request through the State Department of the Pentagon, they have to go to AIT, which is this largely irrelevant outcropping of the State Department, and see if it's okay if they come and ask for permission. Anyway, you have the situation where at least you could say, well, here's a country that is not a charge upon the U.S. Treasury and that um, should be spending more of its own money on defense, but at least is not asking us for money. But now we have the switcheroo with the Financial Times reporting that there's a move in Congress, maybe it's from the administration, to tack on money for Taiwan for arms to Ukraine spending in order to get conservative support for more Ukraine spending. Uh, what do you think about that? And what are you hearing about that from people in, in Taiwan? Well, I mean, I talked actually to a,
1: you know, not really the usual guy I talked to, but I, I talked actually to a fairly young person. Uh, political, I wouldn't say he was political operative would be the best word, but good guy, DPP guy, um, knows DC very well, and he agreed with me. He said it's a mistake. He said we have a special place in the U.S. that we pay for our own way. It's $345 million. Taiwan is still not really more than 3%, 3 3.5%, if max, spending on their defense. It's It's an easy appropriation. You could make the case that maybe they couldn't get it through the legislature in Taiwan, but that's not true. Look, all I know is this, is years ago, John Bolton told a story about Xi Jinping meeting with Donald Trump, and people have heard this before. Xi Jinping said to Donald Trump, you know, what is it with Taiwan? Why all these problems with Taiwan? Donald Trump looks around and says, they're actually a very good customer. And my point is, is that, you know, John Bolton told us that story. My point is, is that it really is not a bad answer in many ways, in that basically they pay their way. They're a company that we, they're a country that we have a relationship with. They're not a supplicant. They they don't sit around there and suck up to us. They're not, quote unquote, this new term that people are using a partner. They're basically a place that essentially, um, there is basically a place now that we are basically just dumping money into them like we would Niger. They're in the rats of Niger, of Honduras, of Israel, all the places that people hate. And if you think for a second that giving money to Taiwan is gonna blunt the criticism of Marjorie Taylor Greene or the AOC, who they're all on the same page on this, by the way, for money for Ukraine, you're out of your mind. The progressives and the right, a growing number, we're probably up to 100 Congress people now, they're against Ukrainian aid, or they're looking at it. The Congressional Black Caucus is very skeptical of it. They're always having to trade something with them to get them to vote. I don't know why you'd put Taiwan in that boat. Just let Taiwan, here's $345 million, arms package, $500 million, whatever it is, vote for it. They send you money. Done. It's worked before. It works now. And I, I think it's a huge mistake. Because, I mean, I have to ask you. You spend, you. I mean, I live in Taiwan. You tend to have <laughs> better access than I there too, because of, you know, people respect what you have to say. I mean, what do you think of it?
0: Yeah, I think it is a bad idea. It, it, it seemed not to come from Taiwan, but from the U S no, it did. came from, from, from Lindsey Graham at first, Senator from South Carolina, who's great at making bumper sticker slogans and, and going on Hannity and, and, and talking about them. Um, but yeah, it, it just sort of came out of the blue. It was weird. It went, it either went into last year's national defense authorization act or, uh, which, and when something is in there, it almost always um, ends up in the budget, even though that 's just an authorization. This is getting to some arcane stuff on Capitol Hill, where you have authorizations and then an actual appropriation, but it wasn 't appropriated, so it's sort of they dodged a bullet if you consider it a bullet last in the current fiscal year, but it seems to be coming back and if you go uh you know to the American people, especially if you talk to younger members of the new right. Um, You know, the risk of Taiwan being lumped in, not just with Ukraine, where there's, I think, growing skepticism, especially since the uh, counteroffensive either didn't materialize or seems to be failing. Um, But if you if you have people putting it in the same category as Afghanistan and Iraq, and you mentioned Somalia and Syria and Libya and all these other things where, um, you know, they just say, no, we just you know, if, if it's in the same way Ukraine is is not part of Russia, but but in its sphere of influence, then maybe Taiwan ought to be in that sphere of influence and are we really the ones to stand up and pay for the difference? And if, if you can say in response to that, well, but wait, the Taiwanese are paying for their own defense, the Japanese are doubling their defense budget, and they're willing to fight for their own people, and they're not asking for U.S. troops. Uh, that's another thing. Some uh, senators and some presidential candidates have sort of been um, – uh, you know, sort of, you know, led into the question of, oh, should we, uh, should we put troops in in Taiwan? Well, again, the Taiwanese are not asking for that. I think they might welcome some to coordinate a little better. You know, we ought to sure. uh, maybe have a few headquarters units there or units so that we can actually communicate between Taiwan and uh, indo pacom or forces in the region in a crisis. But uh, yeah, I think they're losing a major uh, selling point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 my whole thing is, I just I see Taiwan once again getting completely screwed because Lindsey Graham and the other ones have their own little agenda here. This is a, you know, I mean, I remember one thing, you know, they always said Joe Biden's been wrong about every major foreign policy issue. Well, so is basically Lindsey Graham. You know, in other words, he's, he's not much further. They have the same record. I mean, Lindsey Graham is always, you know, he always comes back to the right spot. You know what I'm saying? But he's always out there with this crazy stuff or, you know, the the new John McCain or, you know, anything that gets he says some. It's like when he made those comments about abortion in 2020. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, it's not helpful at all. Didn't check with anybody. And I think this is the same way. I, th- I think the FT got a leak and we'll see what happens. Um, I think by the same token, you know, the Taiwanese will probably we'll see what will happen. I know there's a delegation there. I think it's next week, defense delegation. There's maybe always a delegation there. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But we'll see, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, August recess. Um, usually congressional delegations will go to uh, places that aren't quite so warm. You know, I imagine uh, Northern Europe, it's a popular place for congressmen right. to visit in August. Usually you'd save Taiwan for, you know, the middle of winter. But, yeah, we'll see who who ends up there. Well, right next door to taiwan of course in china uh the summer of love continues first they had uh the national security advisor jake sullivan if memory serves then they had blinken the secretary of state come and visit then they had janet from another planet yellen who came and did sort of the almost literal kowtow the three bows um and now a uh, word is out that uh the commerce secretary Raimondo wants to go there this month in august and this is in return for what? This is to accomplish what? Um, why are we, I mean, it sort of seems desperate for maybe one cabinet secretary to go, but to send three or four cabinet level people and also to, each one of these people is trying to tee up a presidential summit somewhere. Um, I don't know, what do you think is driving this?
1: I think the president's driving it. I think it's very obvious that the president has bought into this um, I'd love to see how often Kevin Rudd has been getting in there. Some of the other people, uh, the president, and, and, and just
0: remember, Rudd was sort of the panda hugging Australian uh, prime minister. Yeah, prime minister. Now
1: he's U.S. Yeah. ambassador. Sorry. Now he's the Australian ambassador to the U.S. And Rudd, uh, from what I understand uh, from multiple God. people, Kevin Rudd' is line is like, "There's going to be war. It's all over. You've got to appease. You've got to engage. All this good stuff." I tend to have the belief that. Essentially, the president has bought into that. The president thinks he's stopping a war. The president also just has an outdated view of China. I think it's incredibly fair to say a man in his 80s who has no real China living experience, he still thinks of China as, a, as basically a little of, of down from the U.S., and that's incorrect. The Chinese don't view it that way either. He, he basically thinks in, he's, he's stuck in the 1990s with China. We can trade with him. We can promise him this. We can do them that. They're not really aggressive. And you look who he's got around him. Although I would say it sounds like his NSC staff and some in the Pentagon are, quite frankly, a little bit more aggressive than um, than we would think. You know what I'm saying? In other words, that they, I, I think there is a hardening inside the Washington, D.C. establishment, just largely because they've been embarrassed all the time. I mean, but you never know. I mean, you just never know. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to see uh, who runs Ramondo's shop in Commerce Department. I mean, you know, you know my little thing I had about basically so Janet Yellen's chief of staff. Her husband, Andrews, is the chief lobbyist for uh, Intel. And then Blinken's top person um, is top chief of staff. Her husband is the lobbyist for Qualcomm. So it's like, <laughs> so who's Ramondo's chief of staff? Who's she married to? You know what I'm saying? Or who's he married to? Which like a major, yeah. Yes. And, and, and uh, the point being is, and then, you know, we just learned the other day that, like, I mean, and I like him. Rick Waters from the uh, China House, the guy who set up China House, he's retired now, and he's going to work for Eurasia. And my understanding is he probably is going to be based in Beijing because his wife is the number two to charge the affairs at the embassy in Beijing. So it's just all this incestuousness. And I think what's happened is is like, and I know this sounds like a big thing, but what really gums up the works on Big Polly's decisions is is minor things. And I think essentially we've got a million people in this White House and this organization, this this, this, industry, this place who every bone in their body is like, we have to have engagement, we have to slow down, we have to sell them semiconductors, we have to let them buy everything there is. And I think Biden's buying into that. You know, we have to have 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 jobs, we have to have this. They're stuck in the 1990s, and Biden is, and so they're going down that way. I think on the other hand, actually, Secretary Blinken, and I think a lot of people inside the State Department and the NSC, I don't think China has many friends left, you know? But the problem is if the big guy is going to do what he's going to do, you know, we'll see what happens. And he's completely distracted now, too. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, we look at old Trump and Trump's got like, you know, 7,856 charges against him or something like that. And, (laughs) you know, and Biden's on the hot spot, too. I mean, some of some of the left wing media is finally starting to the mainstream media is finally starting to pick up on the Biden stuff. I think they just can't they can't they can't ignore it you know? Yeah.
0: It seems to be getting, it's not the full on smoking gun where we have him on audio or video saying, yeah, I'll get this done. Just pay Hunter. Um, but yeah, it's the, the, the evidence for my witnesses, uh, or witnesses who have no linkages or who just are, are not Republicans at all, um, uh, who are implicating. Certainly it seems like Hunter, um, you know thought he was selling influence uh that's not quite the same as his father selling influence but it seems to be getting closer to that and uh you know whereas before the hunter thing was sort of a story that was interesting it was lamentable um you know the picture of uh was one of the the original reasons i decided to get off of twitter was when they uh, locked my account just because i retweeted a picture of hunter smoking crack <laughs> which, you know, Russian disinformation, oh, it actually turns out to be the truth. I got to tell Incidentally, you. Incidentally, I think that's the wrong way to smoke crack. If you're falling asleep smoking crack, I think you might be doing it wrong. I've never, you know, but, you know, just to, yeah, just I thought you were supposed to, just supposed to smoke crack and,
1: and go to the disco or something, you know what I'm saying, or something like that. Aren't, we're not supposed <laughs> yeah. to, you know, I'm not a crack <laughs> expert. I mean, but let me ask you a question. I mean, what do you think? I mean, where do you, Where you, you know, you that. You had a really good column in the National Institute. Where do you think we're heading now in terms of our relationship with China, because this is going to fail. It's already failed. I mean, Sullivan got slammed. Blinken got slammed. Uh, Yellen got slammed. Blinken and Sullivan actually seem to go, okay, fine, you know, now we're going to get you guys. Yellen's clueless. She's out kowtowing around. But Ramondo, she's going. She seems to be ordered to be going. I mean, what do you think this means after she goes and gets nothing? What what do we do now? Where do we go? And John Kerry was embarrassed. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, they're not going to dial back on coal plants because of John Kerry's uh, charm. Um, Yeah, because Raimondo's department is the one in charge of export controls, at least for the time being. There's been some talk about moving that to the Pentagon, which would be a much more restrictive uh, uh, situation but it's the Commerce uh, uh, Bureau of Industry and Security that regulates and issues export licenses or more often doesn't issue them if you're trying to sell semiconductors to China above a certain spec. So she's gonna go, she's gonna get a lecture on how she's disrupting world harmony with her her department's plans. Um, If they don't throw her some bone, I mean, the question is then why not proceed with that export control that's been talked about and also what's being called the reverse CFIUS, uh bill. Again, that, uh, I like to joke, that sounds like something you might catch in a weekend in New Orleans. CFIUS is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. It prevents, um, supposed to prevent Investments in the U.S. in sensitive industries by foreigners trying to steal the technology. This reverse CFIUS executive order would stop investments mm-hmm. with U.S. capital going into China in sensitive industries. Um, because That's you know, almost impossible. I was you know, looking g- at you know.
1: it. That's impossible to do. It's just a guy takes it. He puts it in in the, the capital. You know, it's fungible. You know what I'm saying? In other words, like, you know, you could take a margin loan. Right. Uh, and and, you know, you could take a loan. Goldman Sachs could loan one of his subsidiaries some money. They put it in Goldman Sachs, whatever company, out of Portugal. You know what I'm saying? And they invest in China. It's it's just kind of a – it's one of the things I really admire Gallagher for some of the stuff that needs to do. But I think the idea of attacking and crippling all the time is the wrong thing to do. You need to just build up on your own side. And I think also when he does that, um, he'll get more support. You know, in other words, like, okay, we need to build our cyber command. We need to build more on this. We need to push things through. We need, you know, I'd, I'd say another 500 agents dedicated to counter espionage, but, you know, that's it. But, no, I I, I tend to think – I was thinking about something you wrote a little while back, you know, on uh, on essentially, you know, the, the, the administration – they seem just not to be in lockstep. I mean, people were asking this last couple of weeks. We had a hard line, hard line, hard line, and then it's gone. Psh, but then it's now becoming hardline hard line again. In other words, the Chinese, I think Biden just keeps giving them chances. You know what I'm saying? Anything to do. You you could argue they're buy, They're buying time, but that's not true. That's not true. You know, but the right. engagement people. The, you I know, what's well.
0: I say I'm one thing we used to say in our in our in our part of the State Department where we were actually fighting, you're we trying to make life difficult for the Chinese and the North Koreans, as opposed to the parts of the department that were trying to make life easier for them, um, was that commies love pageantry. Um, and you talk about, I thought you made a good point with Biden being stuck in the '90s and the '2000s. The Chinese constantly wanted something from us. They never wanted to accomplish anything but they wanted meetings, they wanted. They were willing to come to Washington and have a human rights dialogue. We soon realized they were pointless because they would read out of their binders, we would read out of our binders, nothing would change, and it was just giving them some veneer of legitimacy. And it seemed like for the longest time, um, you know, if you look at the North Koreans and their their mass pageantry, the card twirling in the stadiums and this incredible choreography. And you think, wow, if these people could do, if, you know, if these people could grow food as good as they could do this commie pageantry, then maybe they wouldn't be starving. So really the, the Chinese, um, they love visits to Washington. They always wanted a state visit. We would. Work it, we would push back to make an official working visit. Um, there was a the thing with, you know, 19 gun salutes for the premier versus the actual president gets 21, you know, it just, They were there and they really didn't want to go to Crawford until they were sort of it was explained to them that being invited to the presidential ranch was something that was extremely rare and better. And then they did. This was, I guess, Hu Jintao, uh, who also came to Washington. There was the famous picture of Bush because he was getting off the stage the wrong way. So Bush gave him a yank backwards, but apparently he didn't like to be touched. Anyway, they don't really want that anymore. Xi Jinping is not looking to augment his his um, um, stature and legitimacy uh, by coming to the U.S. and having, you know, a reception at the White House or or, or something like that. Not that they wouldn't take it, but. Um, that is just so it's it's interesting, you know, this that would sort of be the dance where they would want that. Where, and we could say, well, we want this or give us a few uh, dissidents in jail or something like that. But it's, so long story short is now it just looks like we're just begging for stuff, offering nothing in return and getting nothing in return.
1: Well, you know, I have a theory about this and it's not my original theory, of course, on China, but I was talking to some friends and the belief is this. Xi Jinping is weakened, even the foreign minister thing. He's not as strong as he used to be. And if he comes over and gives anything to us, it'll be portrayed internally as him being weak. So he's just not going to do anything. In other words, it doesn't matter if he needs it. doesn't matter if he wants It doesn't matter anything. He is just going to be, he's just going to, it's just going to basically be, he's not asking for anything. He doesn't want to interact. Because in his, in his world, if he gives something up to get something, this is the great Xi Jinping. This is Xi Jinping, who never has to give up anything, who never has to do anything. And he gets his way all the time. Well, now he's having to bargain. If he has to bargain, that shows weakness internally. I thought that was an interesting take. And the only thing that kind of made me believe that a little bit more is I don't know the guy's name, but he's with the Peterson International economic P I E P I I E. He wrote a ridiculous thing. We should work with them and help them because now's the time they need it. And they're in (laughs) desperate straits. And I'm going, what is this? The Scowcroft school of like saving commies. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, come on, man, you've got him on the, you've got him. you know, (laughs) what are you doing here? But that's how they, but that to me is, is their own friends are saying they're weak. And I think Xi Jinping is weak. So I don't know why you're throwing a bone with the, with the Commerce Secretary. <clears throat> it doesn't work in my book. And then I think all the way around, you know, that's it. But it was like I was going to ask you the other day, like, you know, you were you you've been when I see you on Fox and I see you on Newsmax and things like that. You know, I'm just what do you think the perception is of Xi Jinping in the U.S.? I mean, is it I mean, Trump kind of the other day. When he made those ridiculous comments, the guy's like, you couldn't make him in Hollywood. He's like, you know, he's so strong and he controls so much. It's like he's sucking up to the guy before he has a meeting with him or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Xi Jinping is at all susceptible to that. I think I think he knows Trump's shtick for sure. But my, my point is, is that what do you think? I mean, do you think that – what do you think our people are thinking about all this stuff with Xi Jinping? It's hard, and with
0: their- um yeah, because you don't quite uh, – it's hard to get your arms around him in the way that, you know, we could look at Kim Jong-un before, during, and after his meetings with Trump and sort of, you know, it's obviously a highly choreographed so – everything in North Korea and in the, in the, in the public view is. But you could sort of get an impression of the man, which he, he just seems sort of distant, um, thuggish. There's no real effort to try and humanize him. Um, you, you know, sort of the op- opposite of of Captain Undershirt running Ukraine, who's trying desperately to uh, endear himself or remain endeared to the American people. Um, you know, it is interesting that he, their their foreign minister was just uh, originally disappeared and then fired. They just fired two senior generals, replaced them with others. So there is some speculation. If you look at the Chinese economy, um, you know, I think so. The American people, I think, you know, view this man as as uh, Leading something that is threatening is evil, but it's not quite as tightly personified around G as it is around, say, Putin or was yeah. around Saddam Hussein. Um, what do you think with the economy, though? Uh, is real estate still their most vulnerable part? It seems like everyone it's, was it's... expecting stimulus. <sighs> All the the bulls on Wall Street wanted that. But uh, it seems like they're, maybe they're out of money. I don't
1: know. I, I read a pretty ridiculous piece the other day in South China Morning Post. I don't know why I read it, but I, get it. I did. It's and I've heard it from a few other people, but this 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 actually made the best case for a bad point that, you know, basically it's going to be OK. It's gonna There's going to be this restructure and it's going to go down. It's not true. It's like real estate in Japan. It's not going to be OK. In Japan in 2020, they just came out with their numbers. Twenty twenty two. There are. I'm sorry. Twenty twenty three. There will be eight hundred thousand fewer people at the end than there were in twenty twenty two. That's, and they're pretty accurate on this. And in China, we're going to be a million people. So in other words, last year they claimed it was 700,000. I'm sure it was a million. So this year it's going to be like 1.3 million people fewer. Imagine just losing all these people. Now, it doesn't mean every house is, but it basically means you're losing people. So in other words, if you already had a surplus of real estate, which they did in most major markets, it's not getting any better. And people say, well, then people move from other areas, which does what? Depressed real estate in other areas, puts regional banks in trouble, makes everything, you know, everything in trouble. I, I think they are in uh, this whole idea that they're in a 20-year doom loop is ridiculous. I think they are on this. How does China, if if it's 50 years from now, how does China live with 1.4 billion people down to 900 million in 50 years. What happens to all that real estate is everybody? Well, you know, it's really good. Now everybody's got like a three bedroom, 2000 square foot unit, but what happened to the value? The value is disappearing. And the other Uh thing too, is the wages in China are not keeping up with inflation. This is a society that's becoming poor and old. It's like the old Peter Pan thing that you'll watch with your son one time at the end of the thing, the guy who plays Peter Pan, the kids are chanting old alone and done for. And that's the Chinese economy right now. (laughs) I I have no doubt in my mind that on my son's 70th birthday, United States barring something, the U S will be just fine. And I think, you know, um, and the, uh, the uh, China will be going downhill. They're losing people all over the place. I mean, the death rate—they're losing a million five. They're losing another four or five hundred thousand a year to migration. Then you're losing the best and the brightest. So it's not—it's mm-hmm. not a good show. We have to see, and that's why I'm laughing. I'll bring up my one topic now at Disney. I'm just laughing at them. And come they built this giant park in Disney. In Disney, we're building—we're building a giant park in. Hong Kong, and we're going to build a... Somebody built a park in Shanghai. Well, guess what? And we're doing all this stuff in China. When you started building the park, there were 15 million kids a year, 17 million kids a year. Now we're down to nine, heading toward eight. There's not as many clients. There's not as many customers. It's becoming a more repressive society. And we have that idiot, Iger, who he really is, basically... Ego, ego driven man coming back in and trying to change everything. Look, basically, and I'll let you go on this in a second, but I'm just going to rant for a second, which I'm basically (laughs) me most of the time. But I'm just going to rant and say he fired a CEO because the ESG and the DEI people were upset. (laughs) And now he's in there with two former deputies making the same exact decisions watching ESPN get trashed, and the only thing he's got going for him is his parks. And he's and he, he's been made himself an unpopular brand. I mean, he, they're basically... People look at Bud Light and think they blew it. I think Disney blew it a long time ago. The problem is we as parents just don't have another selection. When your son Chase, when he wants to go to see Disney, I mean, do you and Marco go, well, you know, we don't really believe in Disney. We, I mean... <laughs> Are you, are you, are you the, you know, are you, are you that, are you that cartoon character of a parent? You know what I'm saying? That movie. Uh, Probably not. I remember seeing
0: Michael Jackson on my one trip to Disneyland as a kid. So fond memory that was at his, at his peak and dating myself. I'm going to,
1: I'm going to change that. And I'm going to say, you went with Michael Jackson to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to spread that rumor just so you know, you know, and worse yet, he got no settlement money out of it. (laughs) Uh, so the, many ways to go. With that. The, so, so many ways to go with that one. But no, I mean the thing is, is like, you know, you're a good business guy. I mean, what do you think? You you come back as CEO because people please come back in an emotional moment. You come back, you fire the guy that you're going to fire, and then you do this basically the same thing that he does. You know, right.
0: and you've got no answer. Especially, yeah, was well, so it would have been a perfect time with florida to say listen um to, to, to frankly do a mea culpa and say listen we uh you know events took on a course of their own, and we ended up commenting on a law that has nothing to do with our core business. This wasn't Florida passing a law saying we're going to have a 10% surcharge on ticket sales to huge parks, although maybe they should. Uh, This was Florida passing a law saying you cannot preach uh, sexuality, sexualization to kids in kindergarten through third grade. Uh, Governor DeSantis has since extended that, but the original law, K-3, through this is something the vast majority of Floridian supports, and if you did a national poll, it would be the same. And Disney, it just—they had no business. This is like um, uh, Delta or Coca-Cola talking about Georgia's voting laws. Like, no, if the Georgia legislature was going to pass a surcharge on uh, jet fuel, then yes, Delta, by all means, go ahead and no opine. But anyway, I could have said so you know that was a mistake, and we've been business partners with the state of Florida for a long time, so we'd like to move beyond this and I'll bet the DeSantis administration would have um, would have accepted that, but instead, you know, basically doubling down, doing this sneaky thing, which will be undone, of trying to, uh, you know, vote a bunch of stuff out at midnight before they lost control of their own little jurisdiction, um, filing a lawsuit against the state of Florida. I love it. You know, Democrats and like liberals everywhere just want to criminalize politics or conservative politics, I guess. But yeah. um, it's bad. It uh, And, it, you know, you've pointed out in the past nothing really creative has come out of Disney. They've bought stuff that has generated or previously produced creative things like Pixar, and they bought all the uh, Star Wars stuff up. But um, organically, there's not much coming out of that company that's interesting.
1: I have a firm belief the breakout for Disney is this. You break out the theme parks with basically the Disney, the Disney of old, uh, the Disney of, of Pixar. You take the Pixar division, Disney of old, Pixar division, um, and then just break that out. And like, basically, you take out Walt Disney's Walt Disney. And mm-hmm. I, I would consider Pixar part of that, because that, that's kind of the tradition of Disney. You take that out, even though it was Steve Jobs and some other people. But you take, that's the same tradition, same mindset, you know what I'm saying? Steve Jobs wasn't doing crazy stuff when he, you know, he, was, he was making up Pixar and they were doing it. But take it out, and I think, that could be a significant value play based on a very attractive, basically, earnings. In other words, you're, 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 you're basically, it's almost a dividend play. You know what I'm saying? In other words, people go, what about Disney streaming and all this stuff? Just pull it all out, and then you just rent these movies out to Netflix and everybody else. You know what I'm saying? In other words, don't try to run your own streaming studio. Just send it out. I was looking at this the other day. You know, maybe you can get thirty billion dollars. Can, can something like that generate? And then you do movies that were released in the released into the theater, and then go on HBO or go on Netflix or whatever. Could that generate? Let's be perfectly honest. But could that generate three, two or three billion dollars a year in net? I think it could. Does that give you the valuation that you need? And then ESPN, the television stations, even Marvel and all that other stuff. You know what I'm saying? put that all in one thing and send it away or take Marvel and roll that into a studio someplace with some new movies and then get rid of ESPN. I I, I think you could deliver real value for a shareholder here and you'd still have Walt Disney, that core Walt Disney that would be there. And it might even be a pure P and E play, to be honest with you. It might be somebody just says, we're taking Disney. That's it. You know, uh, we're going to get money. We're looking for uh, 9% a year in, you know, 11, 9% a year in turnover. We'll do our carried, carried interest, you know what I'm saying? It's owned by a mystical company someplace. They come out and say nothing and they you know they do things. But I, I really believe that they're done, and I think they've really put themselves in a bad spot with ESPN, with everything else, trying to be this giant company they're not. They don't, they don't complement each other. And I, then again, like I said, I keep coming back to China. They have kowtowed to China. They have kissed up to China. They have done everything for the commies, and look what it's got them, a shrinking market, an actual shrinking market with declining income and young an unemployment rate for young people at least 20%, 22%, other people under pressure. So they're not doing well at all. And the Disney parks here, quite frankly, are not doing well in the U.S. They're not doing as well as people think. <laughs>
0: I can't imagine the one in Hong Kong is doing well. Wasn't that an internment camp for uh, COVID quarantine people, or was that somewhere else? While, I, I mean, you know. they
1: did something with it. They're crazy. I think <laughs> I think they fought them off, but yeah, just ridiculous. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's a fun note to end on. To watch like supposed to be a great business guy just blow it.
0: It is. And I think, I mean, I don't want to be too optimistic here. You've seen in earnings calls, there's, they've stopped bragging about the DEI stuff as much and the ESG stuff as much. Um, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk certainly um, that the Supreme I'm- court ruling banning affirmative action in college admissions. If you take the logic to that too, it's just logical. If you'll forgive the contradiction extension um, that should ban all affirmative uh, action or affirmative? Yeah, we we can. It's
1: not a foreign board. policy. We can talk about it later. But you know, I mean, um, you know, it's one of the odd things. Like you look at somebody's going to write the article about television commercials. Like, if hmm. you watch the Super Bowl, as we said, if you watch, things, essentially African Americans are basically forty percent of all commercials, even more in some cases. You know, on on a on Super Bowl and sports times, that's fine. They're not the audience. It's all about basically Black Lives Matters. It's all DEI stuff. That's fine. I don't care if you want to do it, you do it. But like the other day I was watching a John Deere commercial for the tractor. And I'm like, "Going, well, my God, they've lost their plot. You know what I'm saying? This is, they're not going after the target market. And I think the thing is, is what's happening is is that people are starting to see it affect their bottom lines. And I think, I think that's the way it is. And it's, and, and I, I use the commercials as an example. I mean, it's openly discussed. It's just openly discussed basically To not get a phone call from some um, African-American Actors Association, you'd better have some African-Americans in the commercial. You know, I have a friend who's a I have a friend who's a director of commercials for animations, and he's told me that he's getting more work because people just don't want to deal with it. You know, (laughs) they just you don't want to have the phone call about who has to be this, who has to be that. You know, there's actually a whole comedy routine how the guy at State Farm, the white guy, got wiped out by the other guy. It's, a, it's hilarious. I think it's Kevin Hart does it. Like, you know, that you have to do it. You have to have it in there. I think we have to have those blunt conversations. People don't really want to have them. But I think people notice them. You know, it's, it's no different than these universities now. Watch the, Af- the African-American. I'm quite worried. I think there's going to be a huge kickback by the African-American elites against the Asian community. Because the people who lose in this affirmative action decision are going to be African Americans and Hispanics, mm-hmm. much, much, and it's going to be elite African Americans and Hispanics. The dirty little secret of legacies—I think everybody knows—that essentially a lot of legacies who get in are minority legacies.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. Huh. No, it's, you think, think about it. it. Makes
1: sense. Mom, Dad went to Ivy League schools. One went to Harvard. One went to Columbia. They've met up. They marry, and something like that. They've got two little two kids. Those parents know what they know, the circulation, how to circulate. They know the courses to take. They know the private schools to send the kids. And the kids are probably actually reasonably qualified for it. But that little extra push that gets them over the top for legacy in that. Look, the next thing they're going to start complaining about is Harvard. Well, Harvard used the director's choice to let Xi Jinping's daughter into Harvard. (laughs) Do you really think that that was a dumb idea to let her in? I don't care if she, I don't care if she like she's the, I don't care if she's the daughter of the guy who plays Jack Welch on GE. You know what I'm saying? Like the crazy, like the, I don't care if she's the moron daughter. I would let her in on
0: on Thirty Rock. You're talking about Thirty Rock, Thirty Rock. You know
1: what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Whatever his name is, daughter. I mean, I would let that person. I don't care. People say, well, why would you do that? He's the president of China, the premier of China. His daughter wants to come to our school. There's some opportunities there. It's like, I can't believe I'm doing that. There's this Ronnie Chan who I hate with a passion in Hong Kong. Guy gave $400 million to Harvard Then he gets every year to send one or two kids, get to send a kid there, pick a kid every year. Big deal. Right. Yeah, it's an easy I say <laughs> As long as he has some basic Crazy. qualifications. If sure. the kid's not drooling and not wearing diapers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Then you know, I mean, as long as he's got some, as long as he's closely qualified for it,
0: maybe we can get him to fact.
1: I just think the thing is, is that we're 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 starting to see a kickback. It's it's one of the things about our great our great former president that drives me nuts. I think he stops so much. I think there's so many pent up things happening, and people Mm -hmm. don't realize. But that's another subject, another day.
0: Yeah, well, we should talk about that because I sort of think that he catalyzed a lot of this stuff and then left the exited the stage for for us to deal exactly. with. But uh, exactly. yeah, I mean, we will make that topic of and, a and the uh... thing is there's some
1: other there's some other things coming up that are so exciting, and there all these people talk about it and they make the mistake of thinking that somehow he's going to ride it when all <laughs> he's going to talk about the entire campaign is I'm innocent, and we got to yes. show. It.
0: Oh, and how awesome he is. You know that actually, Yeah, yeah. well, in the episode, but just one thing, I, what Ronald Reagan, if you look at his speeches and especially going to the reelect, talks about sort of the progress we have been working on so hard. He credited the American people who actually, that's the right people to credit because they're the ones who create the economic activity. It's not the guy sitting in the Oval Office. You can create policies that augment or harm that economic stuff. When is Trump ever giving credit to anyone else, really, in a serious way? It's all me, 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 the 3% growth and all of that. So I just think sort of a soft-spoken Gen X, not soft-spoken, but plain-spoken, direct uh, guy who is not the, uh, you know, not not in the dictionary <laughs> with a picture next to the word ego.
1: I, I, I have to tell you, Kristen, I think the only upside of Trump losing badly in 2024, and there's not much of one, is that in 2025, as a Virginian, um, we will probably keep the Republican, we'll probably keep a Republican governor in Virginia. The reason why is it's gonna be a disaster under Biden. It'll be the same the same tone and the same things that set forward. But I, I think we're going to some, I think if, I hate to say it, I would like to see both of them exit the stage. But I think yeah. we're going into some dark areas here because one of the things I've noticed is neither side knows how to properly demonstrate or protest anymore. We're not good at it. There's nobody mm. There's nobody who has the skills of the civil rights movement or even the pre violent skills of the people in Hong Kong. We don't have these skills anymore. Our first reaction is the first people that show up are the Antifa people, and then on our side... It's the reaction to those antifa people. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 people are showing up for a fight all the time, and that keeps mm-hmm. people out of the streets. In other words, when, one of the great marches that used to be in D.C. was the pro-life march, and you know, antifa left them alone for years. They really did, and the reason why was the reaction was it was such a negative response because you're attacking usually old people and women and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the city likes those people and when they visit and they take care of them for the most part. But I just think that, I, I think we're in a really bad spot. And I think foreign policy wise, I think some of our enemies are really getting ready to exploit that.
0: Yeah, certainly the world is changing and not, not to our advantage. Yeah, they're seeing it. I mean, I think Putin
1: really believes that we're going down to Sodom and Gomorrah and he's just gonna to have to wait us out. <laughs> you know, anyway, but anyway, look. Well, long one let's,
0: today, so thanks. Yeah, let's leave it there. Alright, we'll be back shooting with another episode of Simon White, and i uh, see you soon.